Inside. Welcome to the Chopping Wood Inside podcast, the Twin Peaks podcast for conspiracy theorists and aficionados. I am your host Murphy. We're back. Uh, Tom, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here, buddy. It's been a, it's oh, been a few dude. weeks, hasn't it? It has. We've been trapped in a Lodgian time pocket universe. So, what is what's yours been all about? Mine's been really weird. I've just had an epiphany. Um, you and I were just discussing Part 17. So when Cooper and the One Arm Man are with Jeffries. And Cooper asks Jeffries to find February 23rd, 1989. And after Jeffries says, this is where you can find Judy, you can go in now. The one-armed man says electricity, and then there's these quick cuts, and the camera goes in Cooper, and his eyes close, and it goes to black and white. But then we cut directly to the Palmer fan and the Palmer house. And then we see the events of Laura getting on James's bike, and then going in the woods. We don't see Cooper at any point until they go into the woods. What if at that moment where Cooper disappeared from wherever he was in the convenience store or that motel with Jeffries, instead of going directly to the woods in Firewalk With Me, what if he went directly to the firemen in part one? Because when Cooper appears in the woods, that kind of staticky shot of him, like basically kind of like, you know, coming into focus in the woods is almost the exact same shot. It ends with his eyes dreaming, like he's going inside of his dream. We start the slow zoom into Cooper's sleeping, closing eyes. Well, also when the fireman says you are far away and when he disappears, it's almost like he unplugged Cooper and he like, you know, the, the, the Cooper feed disappeared. What if when it came back in, he was in 1989? We've been speculating or there's been talk about where that scene is taking place with the fireman, that first scene in part one. And a lot of people are speculating that it happens at the end of the series. It's kind of the Cooperverse. And at the beginning and at the end of the beginning. Right, right. But what if it happens there, that transition? And that he then that would lead into That would work. We were thinking about where else would it be, so you've kind of had an epiphany. That's a possibility. Yeah, that's a real possibility. I think that's good. 
it's definitely possible. Yeah. So, okay, so I kind of just jumped in. If, so. if, it, if it was like that, then it even could like maybe tie into maybe he's just like a time-traveling wacky Cooper like off, off doing his adventures, and he's not in a horrible time loop. I just think that, that there very well could be something with that, with him being far away, being this kind of Doctor Who quantum leap, going backwards and forwards in time. And I, like I said, I've been speculating that what we're seeing with Cooper, especially in Part 18, is probably what happened to Jeffries all those years ago. And at some point, he just evolved into the tea kettle that we see in, in the motel room. Not to say that that's Cooper's destiny, but... I think that's why his brain is scrambled in part 18. Also, the reason why I think his brain is scrambled a little bit is because that the Mr. C aspect of Cooper, his shadow self, I think is is back in Cooper in part 18. I'm not saying that Bob is in him, but now that Mr. C has been returned to the lodge, that I think, and, and Cooper never properly confronted his shadow self, with Cooper not really being uh, fully cognizant of it, that presence within him especially at the, the judy's coffee shop where he didn't want the coffee and you know with the guns and just his whole attitude so um and maybe that happened to jeffries as well something similar yeah we've talked about that i think it's possible um but i'm still you know i'm still buying into the unified lodge theory that like the lodge uh, that cooper is trapped in a lodgian multiverse where he's repeating the same thing over and over again and a lot of people have been you know, talking about Judy maybe being Naito and that she was setting a trap for him. And, and I, 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 I'm thinking like, you know, that's what you and I've been talking about for the last two weeks is <laughs> like I've been trying to convince you that uh, Judy's the queen of the Black Lodge and uh, you're still not buying into that. But maybe the, this revelation hasn't changed anything. But like the big point that you were contending is like that Judy is Laura was that's just that scene you were talking about because they go right to the Palmer house. But what if the, the first shot they show is uh, – is the the ceiling fan and then a, a, a shot of the house black and white just like the one that the fireman saw or swiped away when mr c was trying to you know go find judy or mother and ended up getting in that trap i i we i that was my epiphany last night was that i went back and looked and i was like okay the first shot is of the house so that that was judy you want to go find judy the first shot that was judy and laura was just you know living in judy's house when you mentioned that to me on the phone the other night um I, that was interesting because i didn't know that was the first shot was that ceiling fan and then all of of the palmer house but i still think and, and I, I agree with you um obviously when cooper or mr c went into uh or found himself in the fireman's do domain in part 17 and was caged um the firemen saw the screen now before the palmer house appeared it was the scene at Jackrabbit's Palace. And then it cut to the fireman, and then it cut back to um, the screen where we saw the Palmer House, and then that's where he, he did his swipe. So I agree with you completely that oh, it very well yeah, could be likely uh, possible that that's where Mr. C was going. The only problem I have with that is that since Mr. C is still has like kind of Cooper's memories, why it's that Palmer house and that he wouldn't like know about that somehow that everything is leading. Well, to he knows the about that, house. but he just doesn't know that Judy is there. Like that's the whole thing. I think that's the big right. reveal that you were like, why would they bring Judy out in the last few episodes and then and make her the big bad at the black lodge? Well, I think that's the whole dramatic, you know, point it was like, okay, holy shit. Here we go. Like it hasn't, it wasn't just an incest story with one demon. Like Judy has been running this show the whole time. And maybe she just got in, involved with Sarah and just inhabited her in episode two when she was, her eyes, you know, got wide. Or maybe she's been there since 89. Maybe she's been there the whole time. Well, what about instead of 
Zhao Dei being the queen of the Black Lodge, what if Zhao Dei was the queen of the convenience store? Well, I still think I think they're all one and the same. Like even when like Philip Jeffries or, or the one our man brought him into the convenience store, I think that really sealed it for me. And that they went and saw Philip, that they were allowed to cross. I feel like they're all it's all one and the same, man. You think that the Black Lodge and the convenience store uh, yes. are one of the same? Yes, it's everything. Like, really everything we saw. I'm even questioning what, you remember, I, my theory was that, like, you know, the Twin Peaks stuff was real. But, you know, the, the role of, like, Sheriff Truman is kind of weird. Like, <laughs> like he never stood up in 17. His hat got popped off. You know, he didn't seem very real, you know. And uh, he, got the, he got the key that came from Vegas, which was from a fictional, you know, dreamscape, in my theory, at least. Uh, so... I don't know, but uh, maybe all of it was a fucking dream, dude. <laughs> except for Gordon. <laughs> no, everything it else would be, is a dream. Except for Gordon. It would be interesting, right, if you could somehow break it down where the Cooper storyline, especially after he left the lodge and went to the Purple Room and found himself in Vegas, that that is one uh, dreamer track, so to speak. And the events in Twin Peaks is another dreamer track. And the dreamer track in Twin Peaks, I think, would be the dream of Laura Palmer, if anything. And we talked about this, um, the characters that not all of them, but a couple of the characters related to Laura, specifically Bobby and, and James and Sarah, is that none of them have uh, evolved to the point where their lives are fruitful and happy. They're all in, living in misery. Uh, James had a horrible motorcycle accident and is still pining for a woman, a woman who is unattainable. And Bobby has this family, obviously, with Shelly, and, and Becky is his child. But uh, Shelly's with another man, and Becky is falling down the Laura Palmer path with like a, a bad relationship and drug abuse. And Sarah, who was not complicit with, with Leland, but I wouldn't say allowed it, but was certainly... Uh, in a form of denial is now the dude. She was seeing the horse. Of, she was seeing the white evil. horse. She was seeing the white horse. Sarah was back in the day. You know that's a, yeah, right, right. Yeah. She she was seeing the black. But that what I'm saying is is that if if Twin Peaks, like you were saying with Sheriff Truman, which I completely agree, it didn't really seem real. He really did. I think at a couple of moments got up from his desk. When he went, you know, other than when he went to Jackrabbit's Palace, I mean, he really was just confined to the. Well, think of that. And Naido also interacted with them, you know. And Naido is from the other world, from the dream world, as well. You mean in part Lodge. seventeen at the well, sheriff station? Well, she popped station? down. Yeah, they got her. Yeah, they brought her. She's there right, for several episodes, right, right, <laughs> like right. hanging out. Like that could have not been real. Everything could have not been, you know, real except for, I guess, Gordon. Well, the whole thing with that, though, I don't, I don't think like all of it. I mean, that's it's so it's very nebulous because I choose to believe that Big Ed and Norma's relationship was real. That that was real. Well, yeah, but it, Audrey, it, eh, not so well, <laughs> but think about like also with the Laura Dream track, and I'm not saying I believe this. Uh, I'm just saying it's it's an interesting thought that you just mentioned Audrey. Audrey and Laura were competitors. Obviously, Audrey knew that her father I mean, secretly, you know, pined or had feelings for Laura. That photo in his uh, office, yeah, the photo on his desk, yeah, right. right? And it would make sense that if Laura was dreaming that Audrey would be in some kind of predicament. Uh, that would not be positive or happy. And um, also related to Big Ed, Norma, and Nadine, these are kind of fringe people in Laura's life, but that she knew they had more kind of the happier um, storylines um, where obviously Norma and uh, Ed, Big Ed were reunited and were able to marry, and, and Nadine is relatively sane. So there is some interesting uh, facets about that aspect of it. And I don't like the notion that 
everything is a dream. But um, I certainly think that what Cooper is going through is more of the evolution of the Black Lodge and the Unified Lodge theory, which you coined, um, with this dreamer notion kind of built into it. Uh, yeah, I buy into that. I would say that's true. I think that Laura, I think Audrey, I think anybody stuck in that. It's not just Cooper. Every reality in the lodge is a Cooper uh, influence or created one. That's just his impression and his journey. You know, we're getting all of that on screen. But I like the idea of that perhaps Laura having her own uh, dream track uh, parallel and inter- inter- entwining with Cooper's uh, throughout the series. That's interesting. Like Odessa could have been hers, right? Right. Very well. Then, could like, be the Roadhouse and all those other characters you're talking about, the Twin Peaks stuff. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, no, there's that, especially that scene with. Although Sky you know, Ferreira. she must have a lot of anger to have her her mother. So. Ooh. Yeah, ooh, right. That's, that's sad. Yeah, that's it horrible. really is. Yeah, the scene with Sky Ferreira and her girlfriend. That even when I watched it the first time, there was some uh, you know parallels with uh, Laura and Renette from Fire Walk with Me with some of the the dialogue. Um, so so there's there's that aspect of it too. But one other thing Maybe with, Lynch with is Laura, just, you know, lazy writing and just recycling. Stuff <laughs> it's like picking up a couple of sides from Firewalk with me. Here, read this. Like just start reading improv. Well, another thing with Laura <laughs> is uh, with this this dream notion possibly is her appearance when Cole opens the door in the Buckhorn Motel or hotel, and he sees her her crying you know, image from fire walk with me. And then Albert appears like maybe somehow Laura is influencing the blue rose task force or Cole. I mean, Cole obviously is, you know, receiving dreams, uh, Monica Bellucci dreams, this whole dream, uh, intuition, which mirrors Cooper in the original series, how they influence, uh, current events, and uh, and obviously leading to, to you know the future events as well because the Monica Bellucci dream was really the precursor to obviously Jeffries and the whole Judy and ultimately Jowday for me um, that was just the setup. For well, it. it felt like that was a part of like Gordon's consciousness or re re you know re remembering all of this like through dreams like he was being triggered, you know that was yeah. his that him remembering that stuff which allowed us to re- know it. Because we didn't know, you know, as an audience, unless we had gone to like Inland Empire openings and seen him read the poem before. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we live inside a dream. He's been seeing that same poem all over the oh, place. One thing I have to say uh, just really yeah. quick about that scene in part 17 in the Buckhorn uh, hotel room, the, you know, the dick joke. Which one? The dick joke. We had 14. Oh, the dick right, joke. I know, right? <laughs> right. The dick joke. Um, I, I didn't notice it until the very last time I watched it. Tammy's expression. Her, her reaction. Oh, yeah. Everybody saw that immediately. I, well, ridiculous. I'm a little slow. <laughs> She's like, well, hmm. They, they have to be fucking. That that was not just... Uh, um, That's been my presupposition or my theory the entire season. So, yeah, you know, of course. <laughs> I'm glad you got to that. <laughs> no, I got to... Welcome to last month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or two weeks ago, actually. Well, a month and... Yeah, a long time ago. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, hey, one other thing with um, the Unified Lodge theory. We, we talked you know, about a lot, obviously in our previous podcast, but one thing we neglected or forgot to talk about was the evolution of the arm itself in the lodge for me is a tell that the lodge itself now may not be organic, but is evolving. When Cooper, after Laura disappeared, he saw the drapes or the curtains disappeared as well. And he saw the, the blackness, the infinite void and the white horse. That is just part of the evolution 
of the Red Room. So we talked about a Doppel Red Room or a Doppel Lodge, but now we have it also evolving. The Wonder Man was influencing Cooper in Vegas um, at various points and showing up. And we also had the evolution of the arm show up during the Ike the Bi- uh, Spike scene. Squeeze his hand, squeeze his hand. Yeah, that was the biggest tell that that place was all a Cooperverse, a Cooper dream right there. Like, the, no weeds in real life look like that. <laughs> Right, right, right. You know, there's an interesting side note to that. During production, Mike Anderson, who played the man from another place, he was supposed to, this is something that I came across on a form, that he was on the call sheet or he was called to be in that scene at that location. Um, And obviously he was not signed on to do the show, but he would have appeared in all likelihood, if this if this person um, is to be believed, at that location. And obviously, since he wasn't in the show, Lynch created the evolution of the arm, and it took its place. But it would have been interesting because the only other time that we saw the one-armed man, or the, the man from another place in any location other than the, the Black Lodge was in Firewalk With Me, obviously, in the, the convenience store scene, but was in one of the latter episodes of the original series, second season, after Josie died, remember? Yeah, dancing Bob, on the, yeah. What happened to, Bob that showed up. That literally be like, that's the, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that horrible? What happened to Josie? Ah! That, and then the dancing dwarf on the bed, and then Josie and the doorknob has to be like a low point. <laughs> No, but in, in hindsight, what it did it blasphemize at season two to essentially like some of our sacred characters and just made the Black Lodge look like a bunch of idiots, like putting her in a lo- in a doorknob, you know. So it really just like took a big shit on the show. <laughs> I hated that scene, but I love it now because I laugh at it. It was strange to see Bob and and the man from another place in that setting, but Josie's. Um, death scene and then in the doorknob and the horrible effects. But now I like the fact that, you know, especially with the hum. Was it Cooper just outside like banging on the door? Like, open up the door. Like, uh, there was just a bad, poorly staged. Well, yeah, remember Truman? It felt like it was getting notes. Like, wait. Remember when Truman came in? He was like, she had the gun. He's like, put it, put the gun down. (laughs) Put it down. (laughs) That's a good actor. Right, right, right. I feel like that came from like notes or maybe see like you've got to start showing Bob and Little Man. Like it's just every episode. Like we started seeing him at the end, like popping up and we were like, ugh. Yeah. Well, no, I'm digressing. Hey, let's talk about this because this is another thing that ties into 17 and 18 as well. The, The triptych of Naido and Diane and possibly Judy and your thoughts yes, the mystery yeah the mystery on that because if it was Diane in part 3 then you would think that she was helping Cooper now if it was Jaude then the insinuation is she was not helping Cooper yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that she's the queen of the Black Lodge now and that she was tricking him. She tricked him. And she used, uh, at the end there, but she used Naito um, and then superimposed uh, Diane into her as like a, a mechanism to trigger his emotions and to make him love her, you know, or feel, you know, it's, it was a Cooper trap. Like, Cooper has all these damsels that he's failed. And I feel like that Naito used her. Um, there at the end and that it was a trick the entire time and because I, I don't see Diane being Naito like I just I just I don't it just seems like that that's a lodge trick a lodge figment and then rather than it really happening yeah I agree but I, I do don't feel think... that she tricked like the lodge tricked him to go in at episode three the wrong portal to keep him you know in in the lodge and asleep and in the dream um, and that Judy is the queen of the black lodge and so that Judy 
pulled the strings. Well, but that whole location, that purple room, it seems that the location there is in close proximity to the fireman's domain because of the purple ocean. Yeah. Does. So that would yeah I can't I can't explain like in terms of like how you can get to the White Lodge and the Black Lodge and what's all everything is the White Lodge a figment of the Black Lodge you know I don't know that's why well it could be question. the whole it is in her house now which I always took to mean that whatever evil that we're discussing whether it would be Bob we didn't know Jaude in the early part of the series or Judy would be mother well we knew mother well we, we knew mother right that it, it, it mother Judy yeah would be could be the um, reference to it is in her house now. And if that location where we saw Naido and ultimately the American girl is in close proximity to the, the, the fireman's domain and that mother, you know, knocking on the door. And if, if Naido was Jaude, then it would make sense. But why trick Cooper? Why not, uh, you know, you know, utterly annihilate his soul? Is it just, is it like kind of like the, the, the Dugpas? They're like trick, tricksters, little imps? I would think that the mother... Well, obviously, yeah, they could have annihilated him at any time, right? They could have, like, wind demurled him a long time right, ago if they wanted right. to. They're fucking with him. They've, got, they've just got him trapped in this, like, maze of hell, you know? And that maybe he can get out, maybe he can't. It seems like the last, uh, you know, scene implied that, they, that, that he can't, that they're, he's stuck in this failed loop, but yeah. I don't think that Naido is Diane or Diane is Naido. I don't think that Jaude is Naido. I think she's her own, you know, singular. Well, they were. She was in Cooper's mind. You know what I'm saying? The dreamer in the way he, but it wasn't real. Well, that's it. No, that's what I was going to say. That's exactly what I was going to say is that she was the person that saved him in part three. He was going on his, like, you know, psychedelic journey and he was apparently going to go through the wrong portal and she saved him and sacrificed herself to change the portal so he could go back in, you know, to you know, Dougie yeah, Land. Seemed like she was performing a heroic act. He loves that. He respects that because he likes to perform heroic acts himself. He was like, right. this is awesome. And then it also, tricky. it's his it. and to to put her with his girl Friday, Diane. And if it's his dream construct, that makes sense. I just don't think that um, Naido um, is is Jaude. And I think, like, really, Diane, the entire time, she was, like, trapped in the convenience store with, with in a room just like Audrey. Like, she's in her own that we never saw really her. Like, we saw tulpas and we saw figments. But I'm not sure we ever even saw the real Diane ever. Yeah, I, I completely agree with all. you on that one. She might be dead, dude. Yeah, she, she very well That's could very be, funny. yeah. Um, I think you're absolutely right with that because when she, in Part 17, when we saw the morph happening between, you know, from Naido to Diane, her face appeared as the black lodge and then you know yeah and then yeah. diane appeared and why would diane go to the, the black lodge or be trapped in the black lodge we saw the tulpa diane in the black lodge and we know well she was i mean she was because mr c because coop is mr c that got her got her and tulpa her and stuck her in the lodge that's what i think well yeah but he took her to the in convenience the store yeah <laughs> He took her to the convenience store to tulpa her. So that's why I agree with you that she's still at that motel or, she, you know, or she's dead. Yeah, she's just in another room down. She's in room four or something. <laughs> and Bobby's in room five and Phillip's in room eight. I never, I never understood. Like, what, didn't see, they did take a turn in the 17 when Philip Gerard, take, the one-armed man, takes him up there. They make a right, you know what I'm saying? Like, and they don't go to Phillip's the old room. That's very strange. You know, there wasn't like a door, like he just appeared. Right. You know, it's like a, so it did make me think like the convenience store and the black lights, all one and the same. Like he, 
they showed it in that scene right there. Well, they had. I thought it was interesting how it was a different. Well, they movie. had the thing right. They they went to. We saw the location of the hotel, but when they were walking, it was not in that parking lot. They were. It was a different. It seemed like a different location because there was that wall, and then you never saw them enter a room. They were just suddenly there, and then the whole scene with Jeffries is from like a different like point of view. Like the camera was yeah. behind. It wasn't even the same room, right? It was just not even a room, wasn't it? It was just like, it's almost like the whole concept of that motel was like disintegrating inside the lodge, you know, it was dissolving into more of an abstract experience. Yeah, it's possible. It's just I don't think we got I think the shots were tighter in that location um, compared to when we saw Mr. C there because Jeffries appeared from behind that wall in that motel room and then the room itself where Jeffries was confined was very similar to the room where Naido and the American Girl were in part three, but it wasn't similar. Yeah, the same molding, the yeah. same like arch yeah. molding and stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. So and another thing too with with that connection with the one our man leading Cooper to Jeffries and that same staircase being the, the st- same staircase that we saw in part eleven of the zone, and then obviously with Mister C in the, um, the, the the convenience store um, was. The furnace room of the Great Northern, that's the key. The key opened that door. The hum was unique, obviously, to that particular location and was some kind of, I wouldn't say signal, but representation of the one-armed man. I mean, we heard it in Vegas in Cooper's room to get Bushnell out, but that hum was relate is related to the one armed man, which makes me think that it is related to the Black Lodge, which kind of like, you know, goes with your theory that the the lodge and the convenience store might be related. And um not that I'm completely sold on that, but since we saw the convenience store in Firewalk with me, these you know, Bob and the one armed man or uh, Bob and the, the little man uh, the man from another place were in that location. And we know that they were in the Black Lodge. So there is a connection between the two, I just don't think that they're one and the same. Yeah, it's interesting. Like the, the the Great Northern, like the sheriff station, like the woods, like the the connecting points between the, the dream world and supposed the supposed real world in Twin Peaks. Right, and it could be. That's what thought I was. I'm not sure that I'm not sold on that now. Well, it could be that. <laughs> I what, still think it could all be. Yeah, what we're seeing with Cooper being an extension of a journey through the Black Lodge, uh, manifesting itself. In you know the the purple room and then ultimately in, into Vegas, but what we're seeing in Twin Peaks, it could very well be if this lodge, the Black Lodge itself, is evolving, and we saw that scene with Hawk in Part Two and then in Part Seventeen. Yeah, the map evolves, so the lodge is evolving. But what, weren't evolving. the curtains? Yeah. The series the is curtains evolving. were like they were like really tall and yeah, very yeah. tall curtains and, yeah. and influencing the town itself. And we saw our characters in the the woods, Jerry, Stephen. Gersten being affected by some unknown presence, and then I think it, it 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 cascaded to the town itself with any number of scenes. Whether you want to see the roadhouse or outside the double R, are you saying Judy is behind the sparkle addiction <laughs> in town? She's running the drugs. No, but Chopping that's back. an interesting segue. What the hell was Red Red's purpose in this storyline, Balthazar Getty? Uh, well, it was, he made, did some cool magic tricks, and I thought, like, wow, he really did that. But then I was like, oh, he's just sparkled out. We're just seeing it through, like, it's, it didn't really happen. It was just a trick, and Dickie Horn's higher than fuck. 
And so that's it. We just saw it from his perspective that it was not real. So, yeah, I don't know what his point was. You know what his point was? Was to be uh, Shelly's uh, boyfriend, bad boy boyfriend. That's, that's it. That's it, though, right? Yeah, that, that was... Well, and to be a part of the drug, they just set the scene with the background, the drugs being run, and the badness that Dickie Horn was involved in, and so forth. So they had to create yeah, that. Yeah, and have to show in with two birds with one stone. There, you get the Dickie backstory with him. Then you also get the Shelly backstory, uh, her still being stuck on the bad boys. So that was really just a plot device. He had no other character or depth at all. He had one scene, and two there was scenes. no payoff. Three no payoff. Yeah, no right. payoff at all. Well, <laughs> how many did? Right. There. I'll think about. It. I think if it's absurd, like thinking about like Bobby's arc. <laughs> how many hours did we talk about this guy? This guy's really grown up and he's just become a wonderful man and father. I'm so proud. And then at the end, that the last thought was, what did I miss? He just missed the entire fucking episode 17 Bob removal. Everything important. He was in the John. <laughs> right. So what does that say about Bobby's arc? Never found out about his dad. He never nothing. <laughs> He never got to cry over his father's dead or headless corpse, yeah, sadly. It would have been interesting if, uh, or a nice little touch. There's a lot of open strings, friend. It, if uh, he showed up in part 17 with a rolled up newspaper under his arm, was like, what, what, what happened? What did I miss? He was in the John. I, I, I know, right? Or it was just a dream, or I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really, it was all, everybody in that sheriff station was probably a figment of Cooper's imagination. It probably wasn't any of that real. Well, I, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I mean, obviously, there was some dream aspect of that well think about it everyone who who interacted with Naito the woman with no eyes was she real Tom she didn't seem like she came from a real world and she didn't she came from the astral plane of Cooper's Logian reality and interacted with every damn one of them in there Freddy had a damn power fist we had some weird <laughs> shit going on Woodsman running around Bob b- Bubbles bouncing it was all a big you know Andy saving the day Shel- uh, Lucy saving the day it was all a fictional wonderland created by Frost probably well, yeah, I just... 18, pure Lynch. I, no, I, I agree. I just think that Cooper's storyline with um, being... That being its kind of conclusion or its climax didn't really merge with the Twin Peaks storyline because it was still very consistent with those characters. Like with Andy, especially, he was brought to the firemen, given those clues, and he's sitting there running around, you know, very important, very important that the shit's about to go down. That's why I don't think it's all Cooper's dream. I think that parts of it are, but it could be, like we were discussing before, if Laura Palmer's presence soon to be. I mean, Cooper was very quick once you know the lights went out. He found himself with Diane and, uh, and Cole in the furnace room in Great Northern. He knew exactly what was going on. He was going to put that key in that damn door. He didn't know who he was going to meet. But he was going to save Laura or find Laura at that particular point. Isn't it weird how the key came through, like the, the episode three, like, uh, you know, keys can't go through uh, light sockets. It made it through. His shoes didn't. His pin right. didn't. Why the key? The key didn't. Yeah, the key. Yeah. Because I think it's part of that whole, like, your unified lodge theory, I think. It's a manifested. Yeah, it's right. not real. It's the blue key in Mulholland Drive. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. But it's weird, like, thinking about, like, okay, think about, like, that scene with, like, Ben Horn. Uh, giving the key off to Sheriff Truman, you know, like that could be, that could have all been pure fiction. Because what was the point of that scene? It could have been a part of Cooper's fan, uh, dream. Did he just dream up Frank Truman? Well, think about this. He gave him a happy ending. Essentially he gave like, you know, Sheriff Truman didn't die for Mr. C and uh, Ben Horn found Jerry at the end. Here's here's what it could be, right? What we were talking about with these these tracks, right? So if you think you got one track with dreamer the tracks. dreamer tracks, the dreamer right? Track. And it's one of them is is, is Cooper's. But it's one's Audrey, 
One's Cooper. Well, there's many. Uh, you could say there's many, but let me just simplify it. They say there's this Cooper track, and the whole journey that we're seeing from the time that he leaves what we know of as the Black Lodge is still the Black Lodge, the Purple Room, going to Vegas, and ultimately to Twin Peaks. That's one track. Say it's the Black Lodge, right? Now, let's say like the Twin Peaks, where we're talking about Twin Peaks, because there's some inconsistencies here, like you just mentioned the, the Sheriff Truman and the Ben Horn scene. Like, did, did could Cooper have like dreamt that up? It's Well, it's possible. But what if we were talking about before the evolution of the Black Lodge in the town of Twin Peaks itself? That's like a separate track that's be, you know not being manipulated but influenced by the Black Lodge because we've speculated from almost the very beginning that Twin Peaks in this series feels more like Deer Meadow and Firewalk with Me than Twin Peaks. It's darker. The characters, the mood. It's Trump it's, Peaks. It's what? Trump Peaks. <laughs> Let's not get political, my friend. It's gone yeah, to hell. Just, it's gone that'll to just, hell, uh, That'll make me depressed. But, um, but that could be that one track is being influenced by the Black Lodge. Well, they're all track. They've been created by them. I wouldn't say created. It's the created is a manufactured. I don't, I, don't, I don't really buy that notion because I, I would believe that not only with our story, but probably Lynch probably subscribes to free will. I, w- I would think. And I would hope that that would be the case in the stories Twin Peaks. I don't think so with the end of this series. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, uh, but that could very well be that the influence of the Black Lodge in the town of Twin Peaks. And then what's happening is, is that in part 17, slowly but surely leading up to part 17, the tracks are narrowing and they really converge in part 17. Well, I mean, all the time loops and all the weird stuff, and maybe it was just Lynch editing. Bobby being in the, you know, the double R twice, two days in a row the same day, like doing two different things. Yeah, and then also the Big Ed weird scene, scene right? Yeah. Big Ed with his seeing the weird glitch. It almost saw like a box monster of himself well, for a millisecond in right. reflection while he's eating his Garmin Bazia corn soup. Also, if you look past that, there's like one white car going past it 18 <laughs> right. times, the same car. That was probably Lynch's son. <laughs> Like, you know, I, you know, he was walkie-talkie, you know, telling him, yeah. like, you know, like... Yeah. Do it again. Again. <laughs> again. Another white car. More white car. Yeah, it's just... Well, I have choices. a notion yeah. on that, especially the Big Ed scene, because it seems that it was intentional. Oh, good. You thought it was a... a, a, a but now I knowing... I mean, that was, what, part... What, part 13? So now we know that Cooper saving Laura change the timeline that that is a subtle hint saving that when big oh, okay. ed when that happens will have another uh, timeline himself like another reality yeah maybe he was doomed right then then laura came back got saved and boom nadine has her epiphany he gets and falls in love with uh you know maybe that's, i think that that's, that could be all like tied into uh tied in together and i think that really the big revelation for me of the whole series was lynch not necessarily retconning Firewalk with me, uh, but able to, you know, in a genius fashion, him and Frost incorporate, you know, this narrative leading up to this point with Cooper appearing in Firewalk with me at that great moment where Laura screams and will never, no one will ever be able to think of anything but Cooper watching Firewalk with me. Yeah, my quite my existential question is like, did she ever? Was there ever a time in any reality where she looked in the woods and screamed at nothing, or was Cooper always there? Well, I mean, I, I think that's that's the brilliance of it. I think he was always there. 
But you would think there would have to be a time where he wasn't there for there to be a time where he was there. Like, you know, he's filling a void. He's making that active choice in the in, to retcon. There had to be a moment where he wasn't there. Well, yeah, th- this is getting into these time paradoxes, <laughs> and I'm getting like... You know. Like when I watch like Twin Peaks or Firewalk With Me again, is there any interpretation of watching it again to think that there was a time where we're watching it like before, we, before this new season, you know, where there was no one out there, where we thought she was just screaming at nobody? The whole thing with that... And the scenes of the pilot that we see that follow with Pete and Josie and Catherine, and then we see the body wash up on the shore there. And then just like Cooper leaving the, the fireman's domain and then appearing in uh, the woods, the, the, the shot, the staticky shot of appearing and disappearing, the same thing happens to Laura Palmer, uh, Laura Palmer's corpse. And now we have this whole timeline that is open for any multiple interpretations um, for you know future seasons, movies, novels, what have you. That, for me, is the big revelation. But did you say in episode 13 that that was like, that we somehow saw a reality where Laura was not killed and that changed something in Ed? Well, no, what I'm saying is is that the double, the doubling uh, of Ed, seeing the, the image, it could be a visual clue or it could be a clue there in a Cooperverse. Well, I like the I like <laughs> the other one. I like the other yeah. one, like the the foreshadowing, like the because what we know in the town of Twin Peaks itself is not does not feel like Twin Peaks, and I think that was intentional. I don't think it's just the passing of time. I think that is a component of it, but I think it was all building up to the point like Laura is the one. All those that that dialogue from the log lady, like almost every time, like it's all about Laura. You know, find the diary, and then you know Laura is the one. You know, everything was like kind of like Laura. Did she say find the diary? She didn't say find the diary, but that was... Oh, it led yeah, to... But, okay, I see. Yeah, the nickel. The clue led to the nickel, which led to the diary pages, which was a complete red herring. You know what I thought? Looking back on it, like episode whatever it is when Pot goes to see her about the page, you know, Sarah Palmer. Like, well, we just happened. I know, you know, he also oh, yeah. went there because she freaked yeah. out in the store. But he also goes, well, actually, you know, we have an investigation. He was going to tell her, but she freaked out on him so much and scared him and creeped him out. Yeah. He just dropped it. Yeah, no, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was it. There was no other mention. So Judy really uh, snuffed that one out. No, but what it could be is that the log lady is telling Hawk in you know her own cryptic fashion, obviously, these clues which are, pertain to Laura. The diary, obviously, and the fading or the the glow that has been fading, that it's all related to Laura. And I think that she is having a premonition or that she knows, or at least her you know log, the deputy log knows what's going to happen with Cooper and Laura and everything's going to change. And I think that is like hopeful. Um, we know that part 18 ended very bleak and dark and we speculate that Jowde is in the house and all these evil dark things but there's a timeline there where Laura didn't die and maybe that the the, the glow did return we just didn't see it and this is not a red herring but it's like this tactical move that Lynch and Frost are making at this point setting up a future plot line with the major protagonists Laura and Cooper but below the surface the whole town of Twin Peaks itself is going to be reborn or rebirthed uh, you know not starting over from scratch but we're going to see a new iteration a new interpretation of that and I think Laura is key to that and I think the log lady knew that I think a lot of this now in retrospect was set up for more 
material. It just, it just for me, it's just, it's, it's clear. Maybe that's just a want that I have, not a need, a want. Now that I'm watching it more and more and thinking about it, is it's all kind of like coalescing. Now there are other things that are still like very mysterious. Don't you think if they wanted to uh, imply that there was a Laura, you know, loop going on here that she might be able to, you know, carry on in season four in this new reborn world that maybe at the end they could have done like the, 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 the overhead of her head. Instead of Cooperhead. What, what do you mean by that? I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. Well, you know, like in episode seventeen, when it's like we live inside, we start to see the giant Cooperhead. You know, we could have seen a Laura head at the end. That would have been way more clear. Didn't we see in Fire Walk with Me, at least in the missing pieces, there was a scene that was very similar to Cooper superimposed over the Black Lodge. There was a scene of Laura herself. Superimpo- superimposed over the Black Lodge. That's what makes me think that there are like these two tracks, one with Cooper and one with Laura. And I think that you're right that she is this, you know, presence not only in the Twin Peaks community but because of her, you know, her life and then ultimately her death. No one talked about her. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, there was a reason why. I mean, that that ties into the whole like you would think Jacoby would have mentioned her. <laughs> right. Maybe there's some hidden clues in his rant. Did you notice like that final scene? I, I, oh, wait. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, maybe he did include yeah. something. I need to watch those like, scenes again. Yeah. Or some, yeah. yeah, I'm watching the last scene here. And I, looking at Laura on the steps of the Tremont house or the Palmer house. But it looks like, man, like it looks like she's kind of like slowed down. Like the, her hair is moving in like some logian, like the wind in her eyes. She's blinking in slow motion. Like it's, it's, it's like she's at a different different time. She, it's like her, you know, she's uh, she's not she's already getting lodge influence just standing on the doorstep. It looks like got that upside. Down. See if it's very hopeful, Tom. She's got an upside down horseshoe necklace. That's like bad luck. Next <laughs> one out. If this is the Gloraverse. She should at least turn the goddamn horseshue up uh, to the right way. Right. No, there is something. There's a very curious shot of her. I think the one that you're describing where I think that it's starting to come back to her, even though Alice Tremont isn't familiar to her. But I think it's slowly starting to uh, come to Laura. And ultimately, it keeps growing in the big payoff where she hears her mother say her name. And I think at that moment, everything comes back to her the nightmare of everything. Now, I don't think it's her waking up a dream or anything. I think that that is a real person, just like Cooper is a real person, whether he's Richard at that point or not. Uh, Laura will always be Laura Palmer, whether you want to call her Carrie Page or not. And those memories exist within her, and they happen. In just a split second, everything came to the horror of Laura Palmer's adolescence, and maybe even her death, maybe... There's a part of her like that, that did die. You know, she was saved, but there was a reality at one point where she did die, and uh, the pain of that, you know, the nightmare of that, is represented in that scream, and it's just haunting. It's a very bleak ending, but like I said, I think that subtextually, there's uh, there's some hope, not only for her or citizens of Twin Peaks. I think for Cooper as well, even though he seems completely baffled. Very optimistic, yeah. my friend. No, I don't feel that at all. I would love to hear, like, I, st- I would love to be convinced of that, that there is some sort of hope. But uh, it seems like if this is like, okay, the, you would, you're just implying that, if, that the fact that Leland didn't kill her has saved her, you know, but it, it, clearly in this reality, she has not been saved and that she's like doomed to uh, extreme negative forces influencing her life, either by being killed in 89 or in this continuation, in this whatever multiverse she creates she's almost like cooper locked into a, a doomed destiny 
lot to remember, lot to come to the faith that you can't uh, erase the past. You can't unkill somebody. You can't un. Uh, you can't uh, you know wipe your slate clean of all those memories. You know it's almost like if if there is a a, a dual track dreamer here, that Laura is just as doomed as him <laughs> in that last scene. Man. Well, I think if anyone would be between the two of them would be doomed, it would be Cooper. I just don't think I think Double that doomed. there's more. Actually, I think it would be her because look, she's gone through a lot more horrible torment, dude. Look, he hasn't gone through that much. He's fucked some shit up, but he hasn't been tortured and abused and gone. She's been gone through a living hell. Over yeah, but we know time. where she came you know. from. She came from the embodiment of you know of good from the firemen. That's why I think that there's always going to be a hope for Laura. There always was a hope, sure even that. in Firewalk yeah. with Me. In her death scene, um, the angels return to her, and I think even in part 18, even though it was you know very bleak ending, I think that it's just like with Cooper in the series as like Dougie like pulling the tubes out, like waking up and becoming Agent Cooper, and like okay, give me those finger sandwiches there, check my vitals, and hey, I gotta go here. I am the FBI. Well, that's just Cooper's nature, right? <laughs> well, Laura Palmer obviously is different and had a much more you know horrific you know upbringing and storyline. So it would make sense that when she pulled you know the tubes out of her mouth, like you know metaphorically, that it would be the Laura Palmer scream. So um, that's what I think we're seeing is that I think there's a whole storyline that was going on um, on a different track, and it was Laura Palmer's storyline once she left the lodge. Uh, we just didn't see that. I think that you know she had a life. She got to live another life, and it is kind of tragic that it wasn't Odessa, A, to begin with, and B, it was as this woman, Carrie Page. Well, yeah. I, I mean, just look what she went through. Yeah. You would think that the cycle of abuse— It's just another version of Well, don't of you hell. think that yeah. that's kind of maybe what Lynch is trying to insinuate a little bit by that corpse in her house, the cycle of abuse with Laura Palmer? It doesn't yeah. matter— yes what identity or what name that she has that maybe that's a part of her destiny is the cycle of abuse. Yeah, dirty bearded men are going to come after her no matter what. Right. Or dirty right. stubbled men, yeah. It's very bleak. That's what I'm saying. Right. I don't feel very hopeful. I mean, think about this. Like, it, he's already kind of like told us with a big emphatic ending here that, you know, all these fanciful tales of uh, going back and changing the past and saving, uh, you know, the damsel in distress is just an all fool's errand. You know, so where do you go from here if there was to be a season one in terms of like he kind of gave put the old stamp on it. You cannot unchange the past. You can't do it. You know, if you do, you're doomed to fail and doomed to, you know, make the same mistakes again and again. So then if you can't go back to the past and what would even season four be about? What would the future be? I think you can. I think he just proved it that you can. But there are consequences for that. I think that. Laura was saved. Well, that's what I mean. You can, but it's gonna it's gonna roundabout. It's gonna bite you in the ass one way well, or the th- other. Is what I'm saying. Especially when you're living in Judy's world. <laughs> but maybe for Cooper, maybe that like with <laughs> Laura with the cycle abuse. Like Cooper's destiny is to be this failed hero. He is the White Knight. He is, I think, an embodiment of good. But he does have a darkness within him that he's able to suppress. But maybe that's his destiny is to fail repeatedly. But maybe the silver lining is, is that the that the town of Twin Peaks itself or the community itself that's where the the hope lies. I don't think it's, it's all bleak. I don't think that was the intent uh, with Laura and Coop at the end of part te- part eighteen. Um, I think that there it's it's multi layered. The whole series was multi layered. 
Um, and I think that was just, you know, obviously a huge component of it. These are our two major presences in the, the Twin Peaks lore, Laura Palmer and Agent Cooper. Together, we had only seen them together in either a dream or in the Black Lodge. Now we get them in the real world, but in another dream, it's it's probably yeah. still the Black Lodge, <laughs> right? It's interesting, like looking at eighteen now. It's like with Cooper, you think, well, okay, maybe Cooper's going to be a good guy when he comes back. But the Richard transformation turned uh, Mister C uh, and, Co- and Dougie into one and made him flawed. It's almost like. Watching eighteen, you could see he like Lynch showed like Cooper becoming a monster without any Bob in him or without doing anything evil, like being monstrous in uh, the way he was trying to you know control uh, you know Laura and bring her back to this place of you know absolute hell, like in his lack of foresight and his lack of like you know understanding of the situation, like in that scene he was a monster, not talking, you know, bringing her up there, like really having no. You know, connection emotionally with her, trying to you know put her himself in her shoes at all. He was like on this, you know, hero track, one track mind, and he was a monster, you know, in his own way, without the Bob and without the evil, without the convenience store, without you know. That was very interesting to me to think about that. I think that, that he's angle. trying to reconcile yeah. the darkness within him. I don't think that he is being indifferent. I think that he's dealing with things um, within himself, and I think it's tied to his time jumping and his journeys. Uh, that are affecting him and, and it just leads up to the point where he doesn't even know what year it is that here he is with Laura Palmer and he's bringing her back to uh, the house in Twin Peaks but here she is sitting next to her white knight her savior Agent Cooper but in another timeline or another time itself he was possessed by Bob and Bob obviously was in Leland and Leland and Bob were fucking Laura and in another time killed her another timeline killed her so there's I mean it's so multifaceted and multi-layered and so very very dense and interesting um, that I don't think that you could just say you know that that Cooper is being um, like a monster uh, to Laura herself I think that they're both scrambled personalities well scrambled personality or not that was the effect of what he was doing he was doing something he was, he was basically doing judy's bidding bringing her to, to her you know without even knowing well, what about it. this notion let me let me just throw this out um to you we're talking about the presence of the black lodge the evolution of the black lodge not only affecting cooper's journey but maybe infecting uh, affecting the town of twin peaks itself and god knows where else i would think that it would also be possible and we've seen its polar opposite, the White Lodge, or what we think to be the White Lodge, near Jackrabbit's Palace. Here we are, have these two portals in the same community of Twin Peaks, one light, one dark. It would very well be possible that the same thing could happen for the White Lodge. And maybe that's what the fireman is trying to do and battling the Black Lodge to have more of an influence over not only the community of Twin Peaks, but ultimately the world. I think that's what we're kind of getting at. I'm, I'm not a smart enough man yeah. to really kind of like put all this together, but in abstractions, I can kind of like see certain things. But maybe that's what the master plan is between the firemen and Jowde, represented by the black and the, you know, the good and the evil. And it's just Jowde is you know, more successful at influencing 
not only our characters but our town but the fireman isn't you know going away he's putting up a fight and i think laura is a, a is a big part of that because she is a part of him yeah a lot of people were like oh wow the the you know mr c or you know the whole plot to to capture mr c like Dougie, like the whole, we didn't need him. The fireman already had Freddie on the case. Like the fireman was ahead of the plan. I've heard a lot of people say that, that that was like, you know, kind of an indication that like, you know, that the White Lodge has got things in control. Like, but really, I don't think so. <laughs> I think that they're, for as many Freddie Sykes they create to stop Mr. C's, they're missing, they're whiffing on a bunch of others that are out there, millions of others. And that's why our world has gotten to what it is. I think like that's why the fireman's alone up there with Senorita Dido. He's one of the last, uh, Soldiers fighting the good fight. Well, I agree. And I, speaking. Yeah, and I think that since Major Briggs is tied to the firemen now and was in the same location and was you know, part of this plan to, to trap Mr. C. It's a big part of the, the original mystery, at least in Buckhorn, with Briggs's body being discovered and then ultimately the FBI, Cole, and the Blue, Red, Blue Rose Task Force. The whole, And then leading up to the zone scene in Part 11, what we saw when they actually entered the zone was the convenience store populated by the woodsmen. And I think the, the presence of Jaude and her minions, the woodsmen, Bob, that they are taking over various portals and communities and locations across this planet and maybe other planets. And that's what this war is between the firemen and Jaude, the war between good, good and evil. And that's why, that very well may be why the firemen is isolated. He doesn't even have Senorita Dido anymore. And he, he has to find these people like Freddie. And there are still pockets here and there where there's you know good portals or good locations, but the evil is amassing and growing. And uh, that that's what we're seeing. And I think it's affected the, the, the characters, but like our whole storyline, that's why it's, I think, a darker story. But there is a hopefulness in place. What is the hopefulness? The one, the fireman, like fighting. <laughs> I, <laughs> the Freddie Sykes of the world. That's it. No, it was what I was that. talking about there's with some true uh, love in the, world? the presence of. I mean, the, there's still a presence of the White Lodge. I mean, Laura herself being saved and changing. I mean, really, Twin Peaks is the epicenter of everything. I mean, it's the name of the damn show. Every episode, pretty much in the original series, short of James, you know, taking off and fucking Evelyn for a couple of episodes, God knows where. Um, took place in Twin Peaks. So Twin Peaks is the epicenter. You have the, the Black Lodge there. You have the White Lodge there. It's all about Twin Peaks. And who is really the, the glow of Twin Peaks? And according to the log lady, it's Laura Palmer. She is the embodiment of the firemen. So that's where my hopefulness lies. Well, or that could have been all a <laughs> You just had to go there, Episode didn't eight, you? the log lady, the whole yeah. goddamn thing. <laughs> Well, on that note, uh, yeah, do you got any last thoughts for this episode, my friend? We're still scratching surface, right? Yeah, I feel like, you know, I like our theories. I like the Unified Lodge theory, but I feel like there's just we're not quite, we, we aren't to it, uh, and we want to keep digging. Yeah, no, we're still going to dig, and what happens is watching episodes you know, over and over again. And then, but really, for me, it's like talking to you. You know, what we talk on the phone several times a week and, uh, you know, we check up on our lives and we talk about other things and some other movies and, and what have you. But we really spend a big chunk of time talking about Twin Peaks. And that's where it uh, really kind of, you know, some things come together for me because 
I think about Twin Peaks a lot, but it's in my head. And when I talk to you, it comes out and then, you know, I hear myself say it and then you interpret it and you go, you tell me what you've been thinking about. And it's just, it's just a beautiful dialogue and it really makes uh, certain things come to light. And uh, we'll always be talking about that. And then we have this form here, um, which is fantastic in the social media platform. I mean, there are so many people out there that have, you know, their own interpretations and theories and they find things out. It really is amazing. Um, the, the Twin Peaks itself, the world that Mark Frost and David Lynch created, the fans, the things that they're able to find, the mysteries, the clues, and it, it'll never go away. And we're going to get more pieces to the puzzle. We're going to get the final dossier. That's going to be really great. You and I are going to read that book and we're going to dive into that. And uh, I can't wait. So yeah, scratching the surface, but uh, a lot more to talk about. Yeah, and different interpretations. I was watching Firewalk with me a couple of days ago, and like, in the, the does he look familiar? Scene, uh, like she goes, like, Dad, were you at the house earlier today? And and uh, he's like, blah, 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 blah. then he kind of turns the tables, like, No, actually, I wasn't. Where were you, Laura? And then she, you know, had a moment of bravery and then cowered, and she was like, Oh, I was just uh, uh, down the down the street, and I was like, Dude, that's yeah. the little girl down the lane. She was down the street, little right. girl down the lane story. And uh, so little things like that I love. I love that it's tying together as we absorb it. And we'll keep doing this. We probably won't go two weeks uh, for uh, any ever again. You know, we had some technical issues. So we're going to be back next week. Uh, yeah, and thanks for tuning in, you guys. You can find us on uh, SoundCloud and all those the platforms. And we love all We've been getting some good reviews. Uh, we thank all the people that send us all that great stuff. So until next time, thanks, too. dark woods. I saw her smiling. We were crying and I saw her laughing. In our sadness, I saw her dancing. It was Laura living in my dreams. It was Laura. The glow was life. Her smile was to say, it was all right to cry. The woods was our sadness. The dance was her calling. It was Laura. And she came to kiss me goodbye.